Hey, what's up everybody? My name is Sagi and I'm the host of the show. My guest today is a master networker named Travis Chappell. Travis helps others learn how to network the right way by interviewing top performing entrepreneurs on how they do it themselves on the Build Your Network podcast. It's a show. Travis is quite the networker himself, having interviewed entrepreneur celebrities like Grant Cardone and Elena Cardone, John Lee Dumas, Brad Lee, Tim Story, Ed Milet, and more. In this episode, we're talking about some of the most important core principles of networking and also how to get like basically into investing in yourself, which is, I think, like one of the most important topics in creative entrepreneurship, at least in my opinion. So ladies and gents, without further ado, I present to you Travis Chappell. Let's get mindful and ruthless. Yo, yo, what's up, creative entrepreneurs? Sagi here and welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless podcast. The podcast where we'll talk about online businesses, personal branding, marketing, storytelling, blogging, high achievement, mindfulness, relationships, productivity, and so much more. Everything we need in order to build a life of impact, in order to build a full stack life. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless podcast. And today I have Travis Chappell with me. Travis, what's up, man? Sagi, what's going on, brother? How's, How's it going out there? Oh, good, man. Great to have you here. And I am very excited. Like, I know that we have been, like, we connected through Instagram and kind of like, you know, we're back and forth there to have a phone call. We're like, let's have an intro call, like, you know, just to get to meet each other. And then I'm like, you know what? You know, <laughs> we're both so busy. Just hop on my show, man. Like, I would love to have you. And dude, you've had massive success lately. I've seen your podcast and you had amazing people. I actually heard a couple of your previous episodes. One with Tim's story was amazing. So you've had people on the show, like amazing people, like Grant Cardone, Elena Cardone, Johnny Dumas, Fred Lee, Tim's story, Ed Milet, and like so many more. And I guess today, you know, our main topic would be networking and, you know, tips for networking because you're now the master of it, obviously, getting all those people on the show. So, but I want to start with the background. I know you started by selling solar installations, kind of like door to door. And can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, man. So first of all, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. I started in door to door sales, man. That's, that's really where all of this, all of this kind of got started. I was actually in college to be like a minister, I guess you could say pastor, youth pastors. I was my, my, my goal at the time was youth, was youth pastor. So I was going to be like a, you know, teen group leader or whatever. And I was in college for that. And, and up to that point, I basically, all I'd done for work was I had a landscaping company that I, that I owned and ran. And it wasn't like a huge operation or anything like that. Basically, I just, me and a buddy basically mowed lawns once a week and we would bid landscaping jobs, like installing grass and sprinklers and all that kind of stuff. Cool. But you have your own business. You already were an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. I started that senior year of high school. Uh, well, summer before senior year of high school. So it, it was just a fun right. thing, man. Like we, we didn't really think of it as work at the time, you know, like we were just a couple like 16 year old kids and me and one of my really good friends, Andy, we just kind of threw this together and started just put like doing, doing some work during the summertime and we didn't make a ton of money, but you know, for 16 year olds, it was a good amount of money at that point. We were, you know, I don't know, made like six or $7,000 that summer or something. So for us, it was like, yeah, we have money now. <laughs> you know, I like, I'm being intrigued to ask now. So like you at 16 wanting to work and make money. When I was 16, I had no thoughts of money. I didn't grow up in any surroundings that kind of like, you know, even instilled that in me to work at that age. And my dad was kind of like, he was a construction engineer. And he was like, come work at the site. And I'm like, I don't want to work. You know, it's summer vacation, dad, leave me alone. Like, and he's like, no, you're coming to work because you need to learn how to work. I'm like, no, I don't want to. And, but you saying, yeah, you already had your own business. It's crazy. What are maybe some things that you can now see as the way your parents raised you to have that discipline? It's funny, man. I think I just kind of always had that itch. You know what I mean? Like uh, even when I was in in elementary school, so I don't, I don't know what you guys call it over there, but yeah, elementary um, school. Yeah. You know, okay, cool. So yeah, when I was in elementary school, like you know, fourth, fifth grade, I was eight, nine, or about I guess ten years old would be fifth grade. My parents got me this little creepy crawly bug maker machine type thing. It was like a little oven. You get little yeah. molds of bugs and you take like it. this wax. You had it? Had okay, it. cool. Yeah. So yeah, you put the wax in there, put it in the oven, you can make little bugs, right? <laughs> so I would make bugs and then bring them to school and sell them to like the third graders and second graders. <laughs> so like, and oh, it was oh, like, yeah. you know, 10 cents 
here, 15 cents here. This one is multicolored. So this one's a full quarter. You know what I mean? So uh, it was just kind of always, uh, I don't know. I just, how did third graders get money to buy from you? <laughs> <laughs> lunch money, bro. Leftover oh, lunch money. Wow. Yeah. They, give me, give me their quarters and stuff like that. So, but yeah, so it was, it was kind of just always like an itch, just something that was in me, but it is something that my parents or my, my dad more specifically kind of promoted, you know, like it, I, I had everything provided for me as a kid. I, I'm, you know, we were, we were middle-class. We did, we didn't, we weren't dirt poor. We didn't, you know, struggle to pay the rent and stuff like that. Yep. That is after I was a kid. Uh, when I was a kid, we had the, we did struggle and we moved in with my grandparents where we there was like seven, seven living in a two bedroom house and then stuff like that. But after a while, my dad, you know, worked in the real estate field and started making some money. And we were, so we were like middle-class family. And so I had everything provided for me, all my necessities. But if, if I ever wanted something above and beyond the things that I needed, my parents wouldn't just give it to me. They, they would make me work for it. And at the time it was annoying, but looking back, it was a really good way to instill that like, Hey, if you want something, all you have to do is put in the work and you can attain whatever goal that you have for yourself. Yeah. So if you want something, there's a way to figure out how to get it basically is mm -hmm. kind of this kind of how it was. So when I was a kid, if I wanted something, there was, we lived on two acres and there was always weeds. The yard was always full of weeds. The pool area was full of weeds and we had, you know, the back backyard was yeah. full of weeds. So it was like, well, Hey, go weed and we'll pay you money. So they paid mm -hmm. me like five bucks an hour to go out and weed and just like for hours I'd be out there because I wanted a new game for my, you know, GameCube or whatever. And I wanted yeah. to go to the amusement park with my friends and I'd, like I'd be out there, you know, weeding and, and trying to make money. Yeah. So it was something that was kind of instilled in me. Like I always wanted to make money. My parents definitely, my, my, my parents definitely pushed me in the direction of like, hey, you, you don't just get free money just because you want it. Right. If you right. want to make money. If you want this result, this goal, then you need to put in the work to be able to get that. And so that kind of carried into, into high school. And my parents were doing some, my dad was a real estate agent and he was working with an investor who was going in and like buying properties, flipping them, putting them back on the market. And so that was when I initially talked to them and I was just like, well, what if I did those basically? And so I got in touch with that investor and then they would hire us to come in and like put in lawns to, in their flips and stuff like that. And then we would mow some other lawns like once a week or something. So yeah, we, that, that was basically my entire experience I mean, making money was, was just that landscaping thing. Uh -huh. So in college, I kind of lost focus on like really pushing it and I got tired of the work. I didn't want to do the work anymore. And I just always hired people to do everything. So like I didn't do any of the work anymore. I was hiring people to do all the stuff. So I, a buddy of mine started doing door-to-door -door solar sales. And, you know, I, I just remember this one time it, stood, it, it stuck out of my mind because the summer before that, when before we were in college, he was working two full-time jobs and he could never come hang out with us because he was working two full, like literally two 40-hour week jobs. So he was working 80 hours a week. Both of them were minimum wage jobs. Like both of them huh. were just like, like at Walgreens or something else. Yeah. So he was working these jobs and I remember it sticking out in my head because he told me about this new, this new solar thing. And he was like, yeah, I made more money this week than I did in a full two weeks of working 80 hours a week. And I only worked 25 hours this week. So in one week, he made more than he did in two weeks of working two full-time jobs at 80 hours a week. And he was only working 20 hours a week. And I was like, hmm. oh, that's interesting. There's something, might be something to this. At the time, it was like, it, it might've been like 800 bucks, like 850 bucks for a week. But when you're in college and you know everybody else is hiring you for $10, $11 an hour, and that's it, it just seemed like, wow, this seems like a really great opportunity. I'd, I'd have to work 80 hours in a single week to make that kind of money. And this way, I can work 20 hours a week and just outperform everybody else and still make that kind of money. So that was my first taste of sales and jumped into that, into that industry door-to-door -door solar sales and just kind of took off and ran with it, man. Like first week got promoted, second week got promoted, sixth week got promoted. And then a month, month, and then like really two, three months later, I was running my own team. Door-to-door -door sales guys ended up about 18, 19 guys on my team. We nice. go out and knock doors. Within about six, seven months, we were the top performing team in the top performing region in the company. And at the time, the company that we worked for was the number two installer of residential solar in the entire country. So like we were doing pretty well. We were cranking out good numbers. And that was like my first glimpse of all of this. And I, at the time I was in college, I was like tw maybe 19, 20 years old. And I was working 20 hours a week, managing a team of 20 people. 
and still going to school full time and all that kind of stuff. But my paychecks were getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, man, I was making like 1500 bucks a week, which like in retrospect, isn't a ton of money. But for like a 20 year old kid, I was, I thought I was, I thought I was rich, bro. I thought I was rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was like my first glimpse of like, wow, like there's something to this selling thing. Yeah. And then just kind of ran with it from there. So I remember from there. And I mean, I know you have something going on as well, like with real estate going on. So you build sales teams, you like foreign, you know, door-to-door sales. You also like invested in real estate at that period or did that come later? Yeah, that came later. I actually tried to buy my first place while I had that job. It was a, it was a condo, just like a, it was a cheap, cheap condo. It was like, it was 20, this was back in like 2013. So the market was still pretty like was going through the recovery phase at that point. Like it was, it was just hit rock bottom and then was like on its way up at that point. So I tried to buy this condo. It was like $50,000 going to be a purchase, but it was a short sale. So if you know anything about real estate, if you listen to this, know anything about real estate, basically that means that the bank has to approve that the person selling can't make their payments. Like it's this whole process the bank has to go through. Hmm. So it took over a year to go through that process. And by the time that we did, we had bought a, a, a house already at that point. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't end up actually buying that condo, which sucked because it would have been a fantastic little little flip that I could have made some good money on when I, was, when I was younger. But so I didn't really get into it until about a year later when we moved up to Fresno. My wife and I, we moved from Southern California up to Fresno, which is like Central California. So at that point, it, it was just, I wouldn't think of it more, I didn't think of it like as investing at the time. I thought of it more like I'm just buying a house, buying a house. but I wanted to find a good deal. I knew that much. Like I wasn't a seasoned investor or anything, but I knew like if I'm going to buy a house, it's going to be a good deal on a house. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy emotionally. I'm going to buy for the numbers. And so we bought a foreclosure, which was a, a good deal. We got it for under market value at the time and lived in it for a little bit. While we lived in it, we were fixing it up and making upgrades and stuff like that. And then that was really our first glimpse of, you know, quote unquote investing. We had bought a duplex prior to that. My sister and I bought a duplex together, uh, but we bought it from my parents. So I don't really count that as like my first real investment because my parents like gave us a great deal on it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't really count that as my first investment because it wasn't like me by myself figuring out and like doing it. So I really like my first house was really my first real investment. Investment. So we sold that like a year, year and a half later, made a good profit and then put it into another property. And then last year was really the year where we, we did a lot more. We did like four flips last year and we sold off the duplex that we bought like six years ago last year and stuff. So last year we, we did a lot more than we've ever done in, in all of that. But it started definitely when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. Wow. All right, cool. And so now at this point, like where did the podcast you know, start the, the podcast idea started. I know it's, it happened after you, you had the success with your real estate investments or, and then you said, okay, now, now what, you know, now what do I do? Yeah. So, so I just came off, this was in uh, 2016. So 2015 was the best year I'd ever had up to that point. I crossed the six figure mark for the first time mm-hmm. and I was, I was still doing door to door sales. So I was in door to door alarm sales. Um, so I was right. selling like home security door to door back then and crossed the six figure mark for the first time ever in 2015. So you'd think I would be like all about it and like really gung ho and going forward with that. But the problem was that I felt like I'd already hit a ceiling. I got recruited into that office a year prior. So at the very end of 2014, I got recruited into that office. And out of like 35 reps, that my very first year in it, I was already the number two guy in the office. And the only guy that made more money than I did was working literally twice the amount of hours that I was working. And he only made like 15% more than I did. So I thought, well, okay, so even if I double my workload and maybe work a little bit smarter too and bring on a couple more guys and expand my team and stuff, like the most that I can make here is maybe like 25, 30% more than I made this year. Yeah. And like, that's the most. So even if I stay here for five, six, seven, eight, nine more years, like that's the most I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a really suffocating feeling for me as a 22, 23 year old to feel like that. So even though I came off a hundred thousand dollar year, 2016 at the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to do this for a long time. So if I if I don't want to end up at the destination, then I got to change my direction right now. So I backed off and cashed out on one real estate deal. And then my wife was working at the time as well. So, so I just took really like six months and would go to the gym in the morning. Cause when I had made that good money that year before I'd let my health go, go to crap. So uh-huh. I was getting back in shape and getting my diet right again. And then just diving into personal development for the first time in my life. Cause if you knew me before, like, all of this that, that that's like has been created now, 
I was not a reader, bro. Like I maybe read, like I read probably less than 10 books in my entire life up to 2016. And that includes like school project books. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like the ones that are assigned to be read in like all throughout, like I graduated high school, graduated college and read less than 10 books in my entire life, probably from like start to finish. So I was not a reader, was not a learner. Like I, I learned from experience and I learned from mentorship and that was it. Like that was the only way that I learned. I didn't learn any other way. So I just jumped into personal development at that point. Started consuming audiobooks, started consuming podcasts, started reading books, watched YouTube videos, like whatever I could do to to like figure out what the next step of my life was going to be, basically. So at that point, after five, six months, I really I ran across finally John Lee Dumas's stuff, took his free podcast course. And at the end of it, I was like, I think this is something that I could really do and something that I'd really enjoy doing. And that's kind of what led into everything else. In the podcast. So you said, first of all, like, you know, in terms of like the, uh, there's something about that personal growth, cool it, right? Once you start drinking it, you can't stop. So, <laughs> you know, just... Uh, can't go back, bro. Can't go yeah, back. Totally. And, you know, the funny thing is like a lot of people are kind of like not wanting to get into it. So it's like you can't explain it to anybody who's not drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. You can only do it and then you can wait for other people to get into the situation where they can do it as well, where exactly. they just like take the plunge. So yeah, it's, it's interesting and it sucks you in. So I definitely know the feeling. Uh, me too. I haven't read any, any books just before, like, I guess up until three years ago, even less, maybe started consuming all the podcasts and the books and everything. So definitely it's kind of like the same journey. I had my, all my job where I was really doing great, like amazingly great. One of the best designers in Israel and, you know, and, but I, you know, there was a ceiling to it and I had my, I, I specifically had my blogs and I was like, you know, I'm just leaving my day job. So you decided to launch the podcast, but what made you go for the networking? Like you decided to go for the networking aspect. So why, why networking? Yeah, it's a good question, man. It's really interesting because when I was looking to start the show, I was like, okay, well, what am I good at? Because that's what I should start a show about, right? And I was like, okay, sales. You know, not a lot of people, you know, 90% of people who try to order door sales never make it past the second month, let alone stick in it for multiple years and make six figures plus doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, okay, so there's some, there, there's got to be something here that I could, that I could talk about, you know, but even then I was like, but even now there's still people who've been doing sales for five times the amount of time that I've been doing it. So even if I jump in and like talk about sales, like I'm not going to be as good as a lot of people. And like with that form of podcasting, I was just going to be lost in the noise. I remember looking up sales podcasts, like typing into iTunes sales. And there was only like, you know, 50,000 podcasts out there that talk about sales. And I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just going to be lost in the noise here. I'm going to be like one of, you know, why is somebody going to listen to me versus somebody like Grant Cardone who talks about sales or versus somebody else who talks about, who talks about sales, who's been doing this for way longer than I have, who has way more experience than I have, who's made millions of dollars more than I have. Like, why is somebody going to listen to me about this topic, you know? And so I started really thinking like, okay, well, if I don't do that, like, that's what I'm good at. What do I, what do I talk about? Like, what am I going to talk about at this point? If I, if I'm not going to talk about the thing that I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And I I discovered really one of the coolest things about podcasting is like, you don't even have to be good at the thing that you podcast about or the thing that you write about or blog about or vlog about or whatever. You just have to become an investigator. Like there's a few different types of content creators, you know, you don't have to be the Grant Cardone who's had 30 plus years of experience in sales and can build out sales trainings and do a bunch of solo episodes and teach all of his knowledge. You don't have to do that. You can become an investigative reporter with a microphone is literally what I was. So I was like, okay, so if there's a topic that I want to learn more about and that I think is really valuable and important, what is that topic? And I was like, looking at my past successes. So I, so I looked at 2015 and I was like, how did I make, cause prior to that year, like a hundred thousand dollars seemed like a, t- a lot of money to me. It's like, how do I get to like a hundred thousand dollars? That's a lot of money prior to that year. And so when I, when I looked back at that, I was like, how did I make a hundred thousand dollars last year? And I was like, sales. Okay. Duh. That is obviously what the industry I was in, but like, really, how did that happen? Like, what did I do that other people didn't do? And it just kind of dawned on me that what I did was I got in front of a guy who was a mentor who made seven figures in door-to-door sales, selling alarms. Like that was the number one thing that, that enabled me to make the money that I was making is I got, I rubbed shoulders with somebody who was way better than I was at that task. And it 
automatically raised my level up to his skill level. And that's how I made that money. So I figured, okay, so that's obviously some version of networking. And I was like, but everybody talks about networking. Like there's no way there's not, you know, the same saturation of shows talking about networking as there is talking about sales. So I went to iTunes and I typed it in. And to my surprise, there was no show, like no big show at all that's only focused on networking. There's a few that touch on it, talk about it. Everybody mentions it every once in a while, even people like Grant and JLD and, you know, all these other people, like they mention it, they, they, it's something that's get, that gets brought up every once in a while. Jordan Harbinger talks about it on his show pretty frequently, but like nobody just took that topic and dove deep in that topic. And I was like, wow. Wow, this seems like some blue ocean to me. So I picked that as my topic and I was just like, I want to get in front of the best people in the business to ask them these questions. How do I do that? And uh, I was like, oh, networking. So it kind of works out that the topic that I'm going to bring, that I'm going to be talking about on my show is also the vehicle that I'm going to use in order to get all these people that I want on my show on my show. So that's kind of how it came about. Cool. That's awesome. And like, I think that it's definitely an interesting topic and a topic that is not talked about enough, I think. And it's one of the main components to any entrepreneur success and any brand success, um, I think. And the way I see it, like I have a theory where you have like, you have the four, like I call it the, the authority quartet, but basically it's like, it means like if you have four main principles, you have to, like factors you have to have in place. One is expertise. Like you have to be like really good at what you do, like professional, like either have like have experience in it or like be talented in what you do. And then, the second one is networking. So that's exactly that. And you have to be a great networker and get around the right people, mentor with the network with people above you and the same level of you and below you, like steps behind you. And then content, which you must produce content, like because that's the one to many approach. And then the fourth one is pitching, selling and storytelling, which is that you have to have that. You can't be, you know, anyways, you have to have three out of the four in order to be successful. But once you have all four down, you're unstoppable. So that's kind of like my, my approach. And I think networking is like a key principle. So once you started the podcast, I know you were on, I read that you were like on Johnny Dumas's mastermind, right? Or like you went over to Puerto Rico or to the house. When did that come, come along and how did you, how did you do that? how do you get the decision to go and how do you come across this opportunity? Yeah. So going back to what I was saying earlier about looking and examining how I was successful in the thing I was doing before was I got around somebody that was doing it on a, on a way bigger scale than I was doing it and was way better at it than I was. So I figured, okay, how do I get good at this, this podcasting thing, this entrepreneurial podcasting thing, like this content creation, monetized content, like how do I do all that stuff? And so I looked for a bunch of people and I was like, okay, I'm just going to repeat the same process. I just need to get around people who are doing it on a level that is like better than everybody else and just rub shoulders with those people and learn from them. Mm -hmm. And so I was already listening to John's show. I had already taken his free podcast course. I had already reached out and asked him for a coach. So he recommended a coach to me and I had hired that coach. And so I was, I was already doing all these other things, but I was like, man, I really need to get in front of John, but John doesn't do coaching or mentoring anymore. So like, how, like I, can't, I can't pay him. Like if he doesn't do those things, I can't pay him for those things. Cause like, I'm not, I don't have that much money, you know, like the yeah. only way to get the only way to get one-on-one time with John now is like paying him consulting fees and paying his speakers fee and stuff like that now, because he doesn't have time to jump on one-on-one coaching anymore. So, so I was like, how do I get in front of this guy, man? Like this is going to be really difficult. So I just monitored, you know, his Instagram and followed his content and waited for an opportunity. And eventually he announced that he was going to be doing this mastermind in Puerto Rico called Porta Palooza. It's going to be limited to five people and uh, it's going to be his house. And then he said the price. So like my hopes are being built up. My hopes are being built up. I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. That's exactly the opportunity that I'm looking for. And he said the price and I was like, well, looks like I'm not doing that <laughs> because it was at the time it was, it was a lot of money for me, you know, so it was 6,500 yeah. bucks for a weekend plus, you know, flights, food being yeah. gone, like really it would cost about $8,000 for the whole thing. Yeah. And up to that point, the most money I, I had ever spent on personal development was like books and audiobooks, maybe an event for like 97 bucks. So like yeah. when you go from spending a hundred bucks to looking at 8,000, it was like a really big thing that almost really tripped me up. Yeah. And I was traveling at the time, I like to travel a lot. I was in Panama when I saw that he announced it. 
And it took me a week and a half later and like two more countries of traveling to finally make up my mind. So I was in the Belize airport about to fly to Florida. And I was just like literally staring at the order page, bro. Like I was just like, (sighs) like, what do I do? I really want to do this, but this is a lot of money. And so I talked to my wife about it and she was like, Hey babe, I trust you. Just do what you think is best. And so I was like, yeah, she's, I mean, she's insanely supportive, man. Like I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff that I do without her support. So she trusted me and was just like, if you think that you can make that back, if you think that it's a good use of your time, then like go for it. So I was just like sitting there. I I really wanted her just to tell me yes or no, (laughs) but she was just, I know it's up to you, which is, which is uh, a being a good supportive wife. At the same time, I was like, just tell me yes or no. It'll make my mind up. So I just sat there staring and eventually put in my, my card info and, and press the purchase button. Yes. And that was probably the single best decision that I had ever made up to this point in my career. And there's been some great investment opportunities since then and investing in different masterminds and mentorships and coaching. But that one was so important and so meaningful to me because it's what got me started. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it got me used to investing into myself. And yeah. if, you're not, if you can't get used to investing into yourself, then you're going to have a really hard time making it. So yeah, that's a 60. It was, so that was my, that was my initial purchase. And that's what got me out to, to John's house in Puerto Rico. But that's what allowed me to build the friendship and the mentorship type relationship that I have with him now. Like he doesn't do any mentoring. Like he doesn't do that at all. But now he does it with me because I've built a good relationship with the guy and actually gotten to know him and added a lot of value to him over the course of our you know friendship over the last couple of years now. So you said you added a lot of value and I like uh, mentorship, like getting in front of the right people. It's all about giving them value. I have a story with Geraldine myself, by the way, because I met him like face to face in social media marketing world last year. And I started actually like uh, working with him on some stuff and also developed this kind of like relationship with him. And, but I know you have to give value to people you want to network with. So how are you, how did you come to give value to someone like Johnny Dumas who, you know, has it all or like really good. Right. Yeah. That's a good question. It's a tough question to answer because you have to look for the opportunity. Anybody that has a lot of demands in their time will like, and trust me, I've asked this question to a lot of people. I'm over 227 episodes now on my show. And I've asked this question to a lot of guests that have come on about like, Hey, what's an annoying question that somebody has asked you that you don't like being asked? And they'll say, uh, a really annoying question is how can I add value to you? Because then it makes me work to try to get them a suggestion in a way like it's just lazy. Like I don't have time to like think about because then I have to ask them a series of questions like, well, what are your skill sets? Do, who do you know that I, that I may want connection with? <laughs> like there's all these things that, that right. you, like they don't have time to do that. So you can't like it's not a good use of your time to go to somebody and say, hey, how can I add value to you? Yeah. But it is a good use of your time to find somebody that you want to add value to and look for a way or window and opportunity to help that person, whether it be through your skill sets, through your connections, through, mm-hmm. through your resources, like whatever it may be. So I was there when I was at John's house, I was like, okay, I got three or four days here to find an opening to develop a relationship further. Cause I didn't want it to just be like, I pay you money, you help me for four days and then I go home and then we never talk again. I didn't want it to be like that. And then, you know, we see each other at an event in six months and it's just like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Oh yeah, this is Travis. He came to my house and bought a mastermind ticket. Like I didn't want that to be the introduction that he gave me. Right. So I was just like, what do I do? Like, how can I add value to him? So while we were there, I, we were just having a conversation. He, and at that point, obviously we had gotten to like, he had gotten to know some of our stories that were there as me and four other people. So he knew that I had an extensive background in door to door and retail sales. And he was speaking at podcast movement. He's a keynote at podcast movement, the largest podcasting conference in the country. And it was a couple months after we were going to be at his house. And so he had a guy that volunteered to uh, work his booth for him. And he has a freedom and mastery journal at the time. Now he has a podcast journal as well, but he has the two journals and he was using his booth to sell journals at the conference. And he was like, Hey, this guy I brought in, like he's a great kid, but he, he hasn't sold anything. He's not a salesperson. Do you mind spending some like 10, 15 minutes with him at the start of the event and just helping him out and giving him like a few ideas? Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, I'll just, I'll just run the booth for you. I'll man the booth for you. So he was like, Oh wow, thank you. That'd be awesome. So that was my opportunity. I was, I took a skill set that I had, like he didn't need my money. He didn't need my connections. He's way more well-connected, way better off financially. Like, like 
all of like, he was, had more knowledge. Like he had everything, you know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't really a way for me to add value, but I found that window of opportunity and I took it and I used it to my full advantage. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll run the booth for you. So I volunteered three days of my time. Nice. I still paid for my transportation, still paid for my hotel. And yep. I showed up and volunteered to work all three days. Didn't get paid anything. I didn't get commissions on journal sales, like nothing. Yeah. And so I just took three days instead of attending the sessions at podcast movement as a new podcaster, like it probably would have been a good idea for me to attend those sessions. But I just knew that the information I could learn elsewhere the connection with John, I could not learn elsewhere. So I went all in and sold journals for him for three full days. And then it went really well. So he invited me to another event that he was speaking at called Thrive in September of that year, which put me on to a whole nother group of people, joined another mastermind through that, through a personal connection from John. Cool. And that's like basically springboarded almost every other successful venture that I've been a part of in the last couple of years. Freaking awesome, man. By the way, do you know Kelvin Wayman? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a buddy, man. All right, cool, cool. So yeah, I've, I'll tell you my story with Kevin later on, but everybody here in my community knows he was my coach. He, oh, he was cool. the one that I listened to his episode on GLD, flew him over to Israel, hired him as a coach. He helped me build the vision that got me out of my debt and out of my really entrepreneur, like worst moment. Nice, and man. Like, he's the reason. Good. Yeah. So yeah, anyways, so I know like what you mentioned is like, I think is, is a key and I just want to like go back to that really key principle in any networking. I think is like you, you asked, how can I give value? Like how can I find the opportunity to give value? And that's so important because it's also kind of like what made me when I was like in the same room with Jody and Pat Flynn, both in the same room, a line of like, you know, dozens of people waiting to talk to them and, 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 and like, I was just in line and like, how can I make them remember me? You know? And then I asked the same question, like, how can I give value? And it's also a tip that Calvin gave me back then. And I'm like, and then once I got there, I gave the right value and I, you know, now like in touch with both of them. Mm -hmm. So I know like when you interviewed Tim story, he said also like some, something beautiful. He said like, build another person's vision and this will change your life. He also, so it's like, it's so, it's amazing. I said also, he said, what I made happen for someone else, life made happen for me. Hmm. Like, yeah. amazing quote. Like, this guy is yep. amazing. So I think it's a key principle. So anybody who's listening right now can take that and I'll think, what is, like, you gave, like, Travis, you gave your value based on your sales experience, your professionality mm-hmm. and experience in another field. You networked using that professionality. And like, I know when I came, I used my design skills because I'm like one of the best designers out there. So I just, you know, I offered free design. So people don't like, don't be afraid to offer free, free services that will cost you money. Like, because that will pay off like tenfold. Mm -hmm. So in order to network, invest if you, if you need to invest money in flights and then also work for free, do that. Like that will definitely give you the opportunities that you will never see coming. So I think it's very important that people just take your story here and they also probably know mine and like really like you see patterns repeating, like that's the way to network. So yeah. And so it's all about I, the value uh, add. Sorry. It's all about the value add. You know, people, people get this idea, like when they spend money with somebody, they have this screwed up mental process. It's like, well, I spent money with you. Now you give me a bunch of things. And if you don't give me all the things that I expect that you're going to give me, then I look at that money as a waste of money and I want it back. So these people have like a broken mindset about like, about, about what that money is buying you. So it was my initial thought, honestly, like if I'm being honest, when I first like hit that purchase button and spent the 6,500 bucks and then we're buying my flights and all that stuff and realized how much money I was going to be out for that one weekend, like one weekend and not a year long coaching program, not six months, not three months, like four days or three days, three days. I was just like, man, this is a lot. I better get, my first thought was like, I better get something from this. (laughs) And then I caught myself and I was just like, that is not the way that I should be thinking about this. I, it's not about what I get. It's about what can I give. The money was just the money was just for the proximity. The money was just so that I could differentiate myself from the thousand other people that reached out to him last month. Yeah. Like the money was just a way to make myself available in the situation. Then I 
had to find the way to really add value because a lot of people have paid the guy money. A lot of people listen to his show, but a lot of people also pay him money. So like, how, how do I differentiate myself even further from everybody else? Right. And so I switched that mindset from thinking, what can I get from this? How do I make this worth my money to what can I give to John and how can I build a real relationship with somebody that's as well connected and who has as much knowledge around the topic that I want to be successful in as he does. You know what? I'm just going to like picture this right now. Let's say hi to John because we're talking about John right now. So <laughs> this is it. Hi to John. I'll take a picture. So hi, John. What's up, John? <laughs> All right. Got it. I'll send it to him. So man, like it's great. Like I, I think it's a, it's a very important point, but I want to move on to, to ask you also about like, you know what, I'll just hit one, one more point about this, like this, you know, spending money. A lot of people are afraid to spend money on mastermind groups and on these huge, you know, coaching and, and stuff like that. So you obviously did it and you keep on doing it now. Now you know the value, you see the ROI. I heard you talk with, I think it was like Brad Lee and he also said like the same thing. Like, like you know, once you invest, you, you, you just see the ROI. So just try it and see how it works. Don't go big, but start small, like 5K, 10K, 15K. And then like, you know, it's a mastermind group and see how it helps you. Mm -hmm. So I I definitely see how it helped me. I spent, so my initial big investment was in Kelvin, flying him over to Israel and having the coaching with him. It was a price that I never paid before in my life for anything. But that really is what gave me my success. Like in the the starting initial success since then I hired like like another coach one-on-one, I joined a mastermind. And last year in 2019, I joined uh, Pat Flynn's mastermind. So now I'm in Pat's mastermind. So it turned out like all in total, I spent 70K on masterminds, coaching and online courses in 2018 alone, like 70K. And it made me like, I made the multiples of six figures in 2018 for the first time in my life, like six figures for the first time, but not only six figures, multiples of six figures. Like, so mm-hmm. I see it working. It's like the ROI is there. So yeah, man, like, thank you for bringing that up because it's an important point that like, yeah, you invested, you saw the ROI, now you can never stop again. Kool-Aid. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. The problem is people have way too much of a scarcity mindset. If you're listening to this right now and you're scared of investing in something like that, your mentality is broken because you're way too attached to your money. You've been taught your whole life that money is scarce, that it's not easy to get money and that it's really difficult to get money. So when you do get money, make sure you hold on to it, save it, put it away. Don't let it do it. Like, don't let it leave your sight. Like keep your money and keep it there, you know, with yourself. Problem is, is like money is energy if it's not flowing out, it's not flowing in. You have to be willing to risk that money and understand the one very, very important principle. Money is not the ultimate asset. Time is the ultimate asset. Money is just a vehicle that helps you get more time and more freedom. That's all money is. If, if money didn't do those things, then it'd be basically worthless. So what your job is, is to figure out how you can exchange your money for more time and more freedom. You need to shorten that runway. Like people are too worried about, well, I don't want to, you know, invest eight, nine, ten thousand $10,000 in a coach because like, that's a lot of money. And, you know, I, I and, and what are they going to teach me? I could probably just figure it out myself. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, I could read all these books. I could do this or that. And it's just like, okay, but you're right. Like it might take you, it, it, you might be able to figure it out by yourself, but it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer than it's going to take you if you just invest in a coach or something like that. And a lot of times shortening that runway by, you know, a, a certain percentage is what's going to keep you in the game is what's going to make the, it's what's going to make or break you. Like I, that's why, that's why I did all of this, bro. Because like, I, I know myself, I know that if I were podcasting for three years and seeing no results from it, I would give up on it. I just know, like probably not even three years, probably a year, year and a half. I'd be around the, the around this point right now, 16, 18 months. If I didn't have any results, I'd have been like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. So yeah. I said, how do I shorten that runway? Number one way is to get around people who've been doing it. Like it just, it only, it just makes sense, man. Like if you get around that top 1% in whatever industry you are, I don't care if you're a podcaster, a designer, uh, a photographer, uh, an investor, like a banker, whatever you are, if you get around the top 1% in your industry or the top 0.1% in your industry, you will skip levels and you will skip levels quickly. You'll skip levels faster than anybody else. And the biggest principle here is that success loves speed. People think it's like a long, like it, success is a long game. I understand that, but like it, it's also a short game. Like you need to start thinking more, more in like not a continuous marathon, 
of success, but short sprints in the marathon, like, like run as fast as you can for as long as you can, and then pull back and rest for a second and then sprint again. Like, like success loves speed. Money follows momentum. Like you have to use those things to your opportunity. And the best way to do that is to get around these people who are just leagues above you because one of two things is going to happen. When you get around people who are just way above you, you're either going to rise up to their level or you're not going to be able to hang. Meaning like, I mean like people on that level understand that they're the average of the five people that they spend the most time with. So they don't like people like that in my experience don't mind helping people up if they're willing to help themselves, right? But if you're not willing to help yourself and you're not going to put in the work, you're not going to put in that the action to get to where those people are, then you're not going to be able to be in their circle for very long because they don't have time for people like that. So like if you get around people like that, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to raise up to their level or you're going to like realize that this isn't something that you're going to want to do and then you're going to stay at your level for the rest of your life. The only way to know which one of those people you are is to get up into that circle and actually put into action what they do and what they say. You know, like, because I, I know a lot of people that have invested a lot of money into stuff like this, uh, Siggy, and they're still in the same spot that they were in when I got into this industry two years ago. Like, they're the same, they're the same exact position. They've, you know, probably invested more money than I have, but because they haven't implemented the things that they're learning and the things that they are observing from the people that are successful around them, and because they're not willing to take the risks that those people were willing to take, like, they're still in the same spot. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's hard work, man. It's hard work. <laughs> yeah, man. Totally. I, I, and I, I definitely agree. I definitely even see it for myself because I see myself like in a way, a bit of the, like in Pat's mastermind right now, I, I see myself as like on the lower level of the group in a way, like some people there, like you talk to them, what are their problems? You know, money's not an issue for me anymore. You know, financial freedom is already here. So now I'm like, you know, what, what, what is it I feel I need to do now? It's kind of like, you know, oh my God, like financial freedom. I wish I was there. Like, you know, and I remember that first conversation with, with those people and everybody successful entrepreneur making like, you know, a lot of money, way, like most of them making more than me. And we just said that like the, the end of the year kind of recap and people are like are sharing, like they made the first million and they made like, you know, multiple millions. And like, I'm like, oh my God, like, but I made it just like, so, but I was very happy because I finally saw myself like, I can do that as well. Like finally I can, after a year with those guys, I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can, I I just made, of course, I'm at the beginning. So I just made like a couple, multiple six figures. That's a Mm -hmm. great, amazing achievement for me because I never even made six figures. So it's freaking amazing to see that. And while when I'm having hard times, it's really hard for me to, to stop myself from whining when those people don't whine, those people just don't whine. They don't like, you know, so I, I'm really stopping myself from being negative. I'm really like, you know, like, Sagi, these are your old ways that really haven't got you success so far. So mm-hmm. like, exactly. and if you do it long enough, you'll get them pissed. <laughs> you don't want to get those people pissed. So yeah. that's like kind of like, totally feel you on that. It ele- yeah, it elevates every part of you, bro. It elevates your mindset like crazy. Like just, just going and being around people like that. It's just, it's just so good for you to just have like, just listening in on their conversations even, or just hearing the way that they talk about money. Like it just raises your level of thinking about it. You know, it changes your definitions that you've had in your mind for so long. Like we, I just got back from 10 X growth conference. Oh, you were there? Awesome. Out in Miami. Yeah. Cool. It was, it was huge, man. There's 35,000 people that bought a ticket for that thing. And it was just incredible to go to something like that. When I'm thinking about like putting on my first event and going for 300 people, like, man, I hope 300 people would show up and then going there and seeing a room of 30,000 people was just like, wow, this is incredible. But what does it do? It just elevates my mindset. It gets me thinking like, man, that's, it's possible for like, look, if somebody's done it, I can do it. And it's Bottom somebody, line. right? It's not a company. Right. It's like Grant Cardone. It's like a person, right. a human it, being. Yeah. Yeah. An actual person that I have actually had conversations with for real has, has gone from having none of this to having all of this. So (laughs) I can figure that out. Like that's like, I, like I can like, okay, no, I I understand. All you have to do at that point is just reverse engineer the process and just listening to those conversations, man. Like everybody that got up on that stage, multi, multi multi-millionaires, eight, eight or nine figures and a couple, 10 figures that, that were up on that stage. And so like listening to the way that they talk about money changes your mindset. 
Like when, when you're, when you're too busy squabbling over, like I still have friends, bro, that are worried about which gas station that they want to go to because that one has (laughs) gas that's 30 cents a gallon cheaper, you know? So like, when you spend time with people like that, your mindset with money goes to, oh, it's scarce. There's not a lot of money out there. But when you spend a lot of time with people like this, who are talking about like the company that they just sold for $2 billion and the jet that they just bought, like your mindset, your mindset has to switch. Like you don't have an option. You just like get around that people, get around that culture, that environment of all these people that talk about things this way, then you're going to start thinking more that way. And what you think about, what you focus on, that's what you attract more of. So you have to like carefully audit your relationships, carefully audit your environment and carefully audit your thoughts because whatever like all of those are, like you're just a combination of those three things. Yeah. You're just a combination of your thoughts, your relationships, and your environment. Like you're like you are the combination of those three things. So if you're not auditing those constantly and and actually focusing on on how to make that the most productive environment possible, then like that's on you. You know, like you have to take the time to figure those things out and actually implement and make sure that you are taking action to stay away from all the negative things and go toward the positive things. Totally, man. I, I'm definitely with you on this. And that's by the way. The name of my community is Mindful and Ruthless, just because we have to be mindful of, of the people that we hang out with and mindful of our relationships, mindful of everyone, like of our interactions. And then we also have to be ruthless with our, like, our work ethic and our gut feeling and our hard work. We have to be ruthless with that and not let anybody come in our way. So it's kind of like the mindful and the ruthless. It's like sometimes we all try to be, like we're good people, right? Like, I mean, we're not like you know, the ones that get their way up the top by elbowing others. Like, mm-hmm. um, right, right. so we want to be mindful. We want to live our best lives. We want to have a great lifestyle. Uh, you're married, you know, I'm married. Like, do you have kids by the way? Um, we actually have our first due in May. So nice. we do not have kids yet, Congrats. but uh, he is, he, he's on the way, man. He's on the Congrats. way. Congrats. All right. All right. So it's an amazing experience. Like, so congrats to you. Mine both were born in May. So great time. We're both born in May, you said? Yeah. Both of them, both my kids were born in May. So nice. um, Yeah. Lovely time for them to celebrate every birthday. It's an amazing time. Every, every, everywhere in the world. May is amazing. So I just want to say that like is a lifestyle like, and then we have high achievement, right? And high achievement is like, we want that. We want like, you know, like, you know, people talking about jets, like, it clashes the mindfulness and the high achievement. Sometimes they clash, but I think what you're saying is exactly like they can go together. Like they definitely should even go together. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, I think that people need to stop having negativity around stuff. (laughs) Like, look, it's just such a broken mindset made up from people who don't have any money and who never had any big dreams or aspirations of themselves. So they just throw everybody that has money and has nice things and has awesome material possessions like a jet. Like they throw all of them into a bucket of like greedy, selfish, like don't help anybody. They're the worst type people. And it's just like, it's just a broken mindset just because it's a prolific mindset because 90% of the population will never have any of those things. 99.9% of the population will never have those things. So like, it's just this broken mindset of like, well, those people are are selfish and horrible people. So like you, you shouldn't pursue money because that'll turn you into a selfish, horrible person. It's like, no, like none of that, like you have to stop thinking like that. Like I understand as a content creator, because you want to, you know, make sure all of your listeners are taken care of and stuff like that. But it's funny that we have to caveat things so many times. Like, oh, he has a private jet, but he's a good person though. Like he's a good person. Why is it even something that's associated with bad people? You know what I mean? Like (laughs) to have a private jet, like that's an awesome thing. Like so cool for you and your family that you were able to do that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's really cool. I forget who it was. I was talking to somebody who has a jet and they told me, oh man, I forget who it was. But anyway, they, their mother-in-law, so their wife's mom, was sick in the hospital and uh, it was, it was all of a sudden and uh, they weren't expecting it. And so they were basically like, Hey, you need to get here to the hospital, say your goodbyes. Like it was a horrible situation. And one of the, so this guy's wife took their private jet immediately and went straight to the hospital. This guy's wife's sister didn't have a private jet. So she books a flight immediately goes, flies commercial. But by the time she made it there, their mom had already passed. 
So like people don't talk about those kinds of things where it's just like, you know what, this is something that has afforded them and a fantastic lifestyle and they put in the work to achieve it. Why are you going to hate on those people? Like this is a vehicle for them to get more stuff done for them to be able to spend time with their loved ones, for them to be able to like further business and yeah, make more money. Who like, why is it so bad? Like I don't understand. Yeah, definitely. And Grand Cardone during Hurricane Katrina brought in shipments of food and, and like aid like mm-hmm. using his private jet. So like, you know, it's... Uh, now that you bring that up, Bethany Frankel, who spoke at 10X, puts a, she's the skinny girl margarita girl. She's like on, she's also on Real Housewives of New York or something, but she's oh. got a very successful company. She put together, like she, she got jets from like 60 people for relief efforts in Puerto Rico. Like people, like she got jets from people like Ellen DeGeneres, like all these other celebrities and rich people that she knew from her network and then used her own stuff and was able to call on all these things. And the commercial flights were down. Like they couldn't get to the island. It was inaccessible. So she got 60 jets of like a bunch of friends of hers and brought in like countless supplies. I think it was the largest private relief effort in US history was, was done because a bunch of people made a bunch of money and bought private jets to make their lives easier. And now they use those things to help all the people in Puerto Rico. Like, but nobody talks about that, right? Like, right. Oh no, yeah. it's bad. It's bad to have, it's bad to have money. It's bad to have a jet. Like you could have given that to a bunch of other people. Like it's just, yeah. it's just uh, a bunch of nonsense spread by a bunch of people who will never have it because they have a broke mindset. Yeah, totally. I, I'm very happy we touched on the mindset issue as well, because again, this is so key in order to develop success as an entrepreneur. All right, just wanted to take a short break here. If you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions. So if you haven't already, be sure to search and join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook. I promise you, you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs. So, all right, back to the episode. So, I'll just, I don't, I want to ask you a few, just like one final question. And it is, what are the tips that you got from people that you interviewed, the top tips that you can think of that you implemented and have seen results from in your life in the past year? That's a good question, man. Let's just go with like the top couple. The first one is my biggest thing. Add value, figure out a way to add value. Like it's all about the value add and the value add without the expectation of receiving anything in return. Mm -hmm. The value add that says, I truly just want to be helpful because I get these kind of requests all the time too of people who are asking me or or offering value to me and it might even be something valuable. But then at the end of the email, there's a, there's this thing of like, and then maybe, you know, we'll be able to collaborate and and then, uh, you know, I I can come on your show and, and then you can come on my show and then we can share guests and we can do this and do that. And it's just like, okay, man, like that, you're, you're not, you're not offering value. You're just trying to, you're, you're trying to do something for me so that I feel ob- like you're t- like you're exploiting the, the reciprocity psychological bias is what you're doing. Like you're, you're trying to get, you're trying to do something for me so that I will feel obligated to do something for you. Mm-hmm. And I just ignore those people. Like I, I, I'm not interested in entering a mental contract with somebody. So like if, if listeners right now, you reach out to me and you offer value, but it's caveated with something that says like, I have to agree to offer value to you as well. Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want all these covert contracts going out with a bunch of people when like, and then people are going to, and then, cause what it does is just have, it gives people a reason to talk bad about me. Even though I never agreed to do anything, they created this covert contract in their head that says like, Hey, I did this for you and you didn't keep up your end of the bargain. And then I'm just like, Hey, I didn't agree to do anything. Like I didn't reach out to you. You reached out to me yeah. and at, and yeah. offered to do something. Yeah. I let you do that thing. But because you had an ulterior motive, because you wanted something from me, like now 
I'm the bad person. Like that doesn't make any sense. So I just, I stopped replying to those people, man. Like you have to add value without the expectation of receiving anything in return and understand that it's just a law of the universe. Like reciprocity is a law of the universe. You put enough good and uh, out there, you put enough value out there without expecting anything in return. Like it's going to come back to you. Karma. Just have faith that it's going to come back to you. Like it will happen 100%. Might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. And it might not be in the way that you think it's going to be. Like it might not be directly correlated to the thing that you did, but it's going to come back in a different way at, a, at another point. So add value without the expectation of receiving anything in return. Number two, I would say this, invest in yourself. People ask me a lot because I invest in real estate and different things like that. And people ask me, Hey, if you had X amount of dollars, what would you put it into? So let me just give you a blanket statement. If you have less than $50,000, don't do any, don't invest it in anything besides yourself or your business, like invest it into marketing for your business and promoting yourself and your brand or invest it into yourself directly by hiring, hiring a mentor, a coach, joining a mastermind, doing something. Now, don't be dumb about this because it's super easy to go out there and spend a bunch of money on this stuff and with people who have no business taking your money for it. So, so be smart about it. Properly vet people. Make sure that, they, that they're actually like worth paying money to. You don't just want to go out and spend a bunch of money with a bunch of people just because. Like, Make sure that it's, it's purpose that there's a purpose behind it, that it's focused, that it's maybe an area that you're trying to get better at, or you know that these other people are in this mastermind and you really want to get to know those people. Like, Make sure that it's something that's actually valuable. Don't just spend a bunch of money just because. But I would rather you spent a bunch of money just because than not spend any at all. Right. Because that just goes back to the very first thing that we we're talking about, which is like, you just have a scarcity mindset. You think money is scarce and that it's impossible to get more money. Like the reason that you're, that you're worried about investing that $5,000 is because you're not confident in your ability to produce another $5,000. Mm-hmm. So how do we get confident in those abilities? We get better at them and we learn from people who have done it before us. So how do we do that? We get in front of those people. We get proximity to those people. So the only way to do it is to pay that money, get access, like invest in yourself. Then when you start having some real bankroll, then you can start looking into more like, okay, now I can put this into, into some real estate. But like, look, if you got, if you got, you know, $25,000 and you've never invested a dime into yourself, then you're probably going to lose that money trying to invest in anything else anyway, because like you don't know what you're doing. So if you want to invest in real estate and you got $25,000, you know, spend 10, 15 of it trying to learn how to invest in real estate and then make another, you know, $20,000, $30,000 and then put it in real estate. But like you have to get into the habit. Like it can't be a one-time thing. You have to get into the habit of continuously investing into yourself to make yourself better. Look, as kids, we're made, we're forced to learn every single day. We have to go to school and we have to fill out, we have to do homework. We have to take quizzes. We have to take tests. We have to turn in projects. We have to turn in papers, write essays, read books, do literature and math and English and science and all these things. We're forced to learn for the first 13 years of our, like, our lives, really. And then as soon as we graduate, maybe you go to college, maybe you don't, whatever. But even, even if you do go to college, you graduate college and now life expects you to never learn again. Our culture, society, like nothing expects you to learn again. So you're changing, growing, like learning, every single day for like 15, 16, 17, like 13 to 17 years, depending on if you went to high school or, or, or went to college and then you graduate and then you never do anything. You never learn again. You never force yourself to up level again. You never force yourself to do any of these things again. Like you have to continuously like be in the habit of investing into yourself and making yourself better. Cause like at that point you will start to attract the people that you want to connect with anyway. Like people have this idea like, well, if I reach out to this person like you did, then they're going to say yes to me. Like you, like they said yes to you, right? It's like maybe, maybe not, but I can guarantee you that they're going to give it a lot more thought if you're that kind of person that's constantly making yourself better because you'll become the person that they're more attracted to helping. Like you can't go into it thinking like that they're just willing to help everybody or else they would be helping everybody. Like those people only have time for helping people who are willing to help themselves and you got to be one of those people. So add value without expecting anything in return and learn to invest in yourself. Get in the habit of investing yourself. Those would be the two biggest pieces of advice I give people. Cool. Awesome. And yeah, thank you so much. These are gold. So everybody, hope you're listening to Travis and getting some of his gold nuggets here. And actually, you know, please, Implement this into your life in the next year and see what happens. You know what? Just like try because you know what? Everything you're hearing right here, like you'd rather live a life of uh, OLs than what ifs. So don't live missing out. Don't live uh, like with this thought of maybe what if I invested in a mastermind that seems so relevant for me or in that coach that I had an opportunity to invest in. Like just don't do that. Just 
go out there and really give it your all. Work for free for the people you want to get and rub shoulders with and, you know, give value. Don't expect anything back and invest in yourself. Investing in yourself is the most important thing that, you know, also from my experience, if you know me and appreciate me, you know that I invested also in myself in the past year like crazy. So, Travis, thank you so much, my man. This has been an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. And where can we find you? Yeah, Siggy, really appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, thanks for letting me come on to your audience. I know that it's not an easy decision to decide who gets to come on and, and share some time with you. So I appreciate that. People can find me on uh, Instagram, probably the most in terms of social media. That's just at Travis Chapel, T-R-A-V-I-S-C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, at Travis Chapel on Instagram. Uh, I spend a lot of time over there. And then um, if anybody is listening to this and they're like, hey, man, I want to know how you connected with the people that you connected with. I have put together a free training. It's called Meet, it's called the Meet Your Hero Challenge. It's basically, hey, meet your hero in the next 30 days. It's totally free. So if you're listening to this like, and you want some more of that kind of stuff, just head over to travischapel.com slash hero, travischapel.com slash hero, and just sign up for that free training. It's 100% free. And I'm just going to, I just want to help you understand that it's possible. So you go through a couple modules and then um, you're going to be able to meet somebody that's on your list of heroes within 30 days. That's, that's the whole goal. So travchapel.com slash hero is the best uh, way to connect with me, I would think. Awesome. And everybody, this is gold. Like we're talking to a guy who interviewed, who just launched a podcast and already interviewed like, you know, Grant Cardone, Elena Cardone, Johnny Dumas, Bradley, Tim Story, Ed Milet, like amazing people that are very hard to reach. So if you want to learn how to network like Travis, so again, go to, go to the link. I'll also link it in the show notes. You'll exactly know how to do that for free which is pretty amazing. So uh, everybody just do that right now. <laughs> it's like, stop everything. Stop in the middle of the world. Stop and go to the link, travischapel.com slash hero. And just start, you know, sign up for this. So Travis, thank you so much, man. Was a blast and I'll see you around. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. Had a great time. And it's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. The show notes for this episode will be available at mindfulandruthless.com slash podcast. And if you can, I would love to ask you for your help. It would help me so much if you would take a minute to rate this show on iTunes. As a way of saying thanks for your reviews, I will be giving away a prize once a month to one awesome person that left a great review. Are you that awesome person? All you have to do is just go to mindfulandruthless.com slash rate. This will launch iTunes in your device. Then all you have to do is scroll down to the bottom if you're on your iPhone or mobile device, or if you're on your laptop, just click the ratings and reviews tab up on the top of the screen. Simply rate the show and leave a review and you will automatically be enrolled in the chance to win a cool prize of the month. So have an amazing day, night, wherever you are in the world. And remember to always be mindful of your time, relationships and well-being and always be ruthless with your gut feeling, with your work ethics and don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. An actual person that I have actually had conversations with for real has gone from having none of this to having all of this. I got around somebody that was doing it on a, on a way bigger scale than I was doing it and was way better at it. So I figured, okay, how do I get good at this? This podcasting thing, this entrepreneurial podcasting thing.